everyone and welcome to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with your host, myself, Ryan Roberts. Today we're diving into a very interesting topic. We're talking about identity. I'm going to share a little bit about my story, but more importantly, I'm going to talk about our story. I hope you're ready. Let's get started. What's up everyone and welcome to the Millennial Preacher I am so excited that you are joining me today. Maybe it's your very first time tuning in. Maybe you weren't able to listen last week. I want to encourage you to get that very first episode. It dives a little bit into what the Millennial Preacher is and why I actually started this podcast. But I am so excited that you're with me today. Today we're talking about identity. Now, more than likely, at some point in your life, you've questioned that term. You've questioned the reality of your personal identity. Last night was an absolute incredible opportunity for me. Our church celebrated our seniors, the class of 2019. Every year we take one service and dedicate that to our seniors and we celebrate them. We we make them out really big. We honor them. We call them out individually. We celebrate with family and friends. And I can't help that in those times, think about my own life and to think about who I was when I was in high school compared to who I am today. You know, it's kind of funny when you think back to those days, because those days, things were so very different. At least they were for me. I remember when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, even 18 years old. And I remember I had the sense of who I thought that I was. At least I knew who I wanted to be, and maybe I never got to be the the super muscular jock. Maybe I never got to be the kid that had the nicest vehicle in the parking lot. Maybe I never got to be the kid that had the best parties or the best whatever. But in my mind, I had someone who I wanted to be, and I had a group that I identified with. Now, I'm not saying that stereotypes is always the best thing, but I think at one point or another, we've all fallen short, and we've all stereotyped if not someone else ourselves but maybe that's not the model that we actually have in the bible maybe that's not who we really are let's think back for a moment just just bear with me let's just imagine for a moment your life odds are you were born into this world with something that was already preconceived that you didn't even realize you were born into it's kind of funny if you think about it. Every single one of us was born the exact same way. In some way, we were all born from our mothers. We all had a father. We may not have known our father. You may not even know your mother, but we were all born for to a mother and to a father. We come out into the womb into a hospital of some kind, at least most of us did. And we were immediately born into a certain class, a certain uh, culture in our society. Maybe some of us were very lucky. Some of us were born to parents that maybe had a lot of money and we were born with the very best of everything already. We had the very very best baby clothes, the very best toys, the very best games, the very best educational resources at our fingertips. And so already we were born into a certain class. Of course, you didn't realize it when you were a baby, but already you had something that identified you. Maybe you were somebody that wasn't so very lucky and you were born to a mom, a dad that didn't have any money or or not much of anything at all and and wasn't even sure how they were going to take care of you. And you were dependent on other things. Or maybe you were like me, like many of us, and you fell somewhere in the middle. 
You weren't exactly poor by any means. You weren't living on the streets, but you certainly weren't rich, and, and your parents were middle-class, blue-collar workers, and, and that's just who you were. Maybe you didn't realize it as a small child, but maybe if you think back, you can think back to the kid that had everything and then to the kid that had nothing. And if you fit, didn't fit into one of those categories, where were you at on the scale? Already there was a culture. Already there was a class. Already there was a certain level of society that you fell into. And you didn't even do anything but be born and exist. As you grew up, maybe it became a bit more evident. Maybe you could remember going to elementary school. Maybe you could remember your mom and dad taking you to Walmart or Target or wherever you may have shopped back in those days and getting the very best of everything. Maybe you were the kid that couldn't afford to do all those things and you had to count on some sort of charity or something like that to get most of your school supplies. Or maybe, like me, you were somewhere in the middle and you got to pick out your backpack within reason and maybe you didn't get the really cool highlighters or the stapler or whatever, but you got to pick out a few things. And maybe, maybe you didn't even realize it. Maybe you didn't even realize that there were some kids that just seemed to have it better. And maybe others did not. And maybe there were some that was somewhere in the middle. And of course, as you got into middle school, at least in my experience, it became even more obvious because everyone had a specific uh, designer that everyone wore during those times. Now, I don't know how old you are while you're listening to this, so I'm not going to claim that you remember a certain style like I do, but I remember when I was in middle school, everyone always seemed to want to wear Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch. And I can remember a t-shirt in these places cost it a whole lot more than $20, which was the normal going rate of any normal t-shirt company. And I remember that if you didn't wear those things, you were labeled as this or that. And I remember in the eighth grade, people talking about going to Plato's Closet and other places that sold secondhand goods and getting these things so much cheaper so you could look a certain way and fit in with everyone else. And then, of course, came high school, and those particular brands weren't quite as popular anymore, but there was a totally different uh, popular brand that rose up, and, and things changed. And the social classes became even more dynamic, and then it became more than just about money and just about certain things. It became more of who you are and who you identified with. Maybe you fit into... A certain click. Maybe you didn't fit into a click at all and you considered yourself an outsider and maybe that was your click anyway. I can remember those times. I remember wanting to fit into a certain group of people. I can remember striving to be like them. I can remember the pain of feeling rejected and of course I'd never showed it because that would just make things a whole lot worse. I can remember by junior year trying to adapt myself to fit into a certain group of people. I could remember that literally I felt as if I changed my identity. But did I really? Now maybe you're asking why in the world when I bring all these things up, why this social economic course, that's so not what this is. This isn't a lecture. This isn't psychology. This isn't some sort of cultural diversity class. This isn't anything like that. We're talking about the Christian perspective. We're talking about the real church of Jesus Christ. See, I found as an adult that these social classes that we are born into and, and that we eventually may try to change 
normally is what most people seem to define themselves as. See, there's still a whole lot of people that like to wear designer clothes. They listen to a certain music. They, they look a certain way. They do their hair a certain way, all in the name of fitting in to a certain clique or a certain group. Now, I don't believe there's anything wrong with with looking nice. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a certain style that you can appreciate or relate to. I know I do. I don't think that's a bad thing whatsoever. I don't even think it's bad to find people of like interest that you join together and that becomes your little family, your your little friend group. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, I really wonder if that's the way we were supposed to act within the church. I read recently a social experiment that somebody did. They went around interviewing people that were wearing certain designer clothes or drove a certain car or looked a certain way, and they asked them if people could not see those things, if people did not know that they had them, would they still want them? And every single person they interviewed said no. Wow. What a very interesting thought. What a very interesting thing to think about. You know, one of the missions that I feel like I have in doing The Millennial Preacher is to get back to the place of fraternal bond that we find in the book of Acts. See, maybe maybe we will never get exactly to that place. Maybe we'll never get to a place where, where we're so persecuted that we have no choice but to come together as brothers and sisters to live together, to, to work together, to love together, to, to help one another, to make sure everyone in the camp is taken care of. Maybe we'll never get to that place, but maybe we can get awfully close. And just maybe, maybe we can taste just a little bit of heaven on this side. You're listening to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with Ryan Roberts. I wanted to take just a break from today's episode and say thank you for being a loyal listener. And also thank you for sharing this on all of your social media platforms. We will be on other platforms very soon, but for now, we are located on Sprecher and Stitcher. Let us know your thoughts on today's episode in the comments on both of these platforms and on our social media. Thanks for being a listener. Now let's get right back to today's episode. As a student athlete, when I was in high school, I kind of felt lost for identity after the season was over, and I actually found that most student athletes go through that exact same thing, especially if they don't get accepted to play ball or, or whatever their sport may be in college. It's kind of a myth, because that was so much of your life. I remember one time our football coaches totaled up how much time we actually spend with them versus how much we spend in the classroom how much free time we have, and how much time that we probably spent with our parents. And we spent way more time with them than any of these other things. And so it was literally life. I know that sports are supposed to have an off-season, but the truth is there is no off-season. Even during the off-season, you're working out, you're training, you're doing nutritional things, you're doing something to improve your game when the season starts back. And then before you know it, of course, you're doing preseason training. So it's literally life for the four years, or their eight years, or however many years you may have played sports. Maybe for me, when the season ended, a part of me died. That sounds very gruesome. I don't mean for it to, but it was quite literal. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I, 
I didn't sign to a college. I, I wasn't going to go play anywhere else. And so I had kind of this thought, well, what is it that I do now? So I turned to things that I shouldn't have. I got into things that I wish I never did. I got involved with some of the wrong people. And I did some of the things that that I wish I never had done. I was searching for a new identity. And I identified with some different groups. I actually tried out some different groups, some different friends, some different things. And tried to find my place in the world. I remember after high school, it actually got worse. I knew in my head that I had this envision of what I wanted to do. And for a little while, I came back to the football team and helped them do a few things, thinking, well, that's still going to be my life. I'll coach football one day. I'll do all these different things. That's how I'm going to live. But then I'll never forget when everything changed. Now I'm going to spend another podcast sharing a lot more of my story and actually diving into my testimony and how I felt like I actually met Jesus. Not physically, but spiritually, and he changed everything. But today, I will share this part of the story. After becoming a Christian, I mean truly becoming a Christian, repenting and changing my life to follow Jesus, I didn't wake up perfect the next morning. None of that happened, but I did feel led to start a Bible study at my house. And so I posted on Facebook, naturally, that I was going to host a Bible study, and the very first week it started with four guys. Within a couple of weeks, we had 32 people in a basement. Now, not that those 32 people were core people that I would consider in this group, but there was a core group that rose up, a group of guys that became more than just friends, more than more than just guys that hung out. We were true brothers, and I really believe that. And for the next year or two of my life, we did almost everything together. That's not to say that we didn't have jobs. We didn't have our own individual lives. But for the most part, our lives were very intertwined. We knew pretty much everything about each other. We shared our struggles. We shared whenever we sinned and messed up. We shared our victories. We talked about when things were going really well. If one person had made a big paycheck, well, we all made a big paycheck because we were all going to go out and celebrate. And usually that person was going to pay for everyone. It was different. It was a totally different type of friend dynamic like one I'd never seen. We spent many late nights talking about the Bible. We spent time walking around the streets of our local city and ministering and evangelizing and praying over the city. We went to church together. We ministered to the homeless together. We preached at local places together. We even held our own many, many meetings whenever we we weren't able to get into other churches. Things were just different. And I'm not saying that that sort of life is for everyone and that everyone can have an experience exactly like that. But but I remember there was a certain point when I realized that nobody cared what we looked like in the group. We didn't care what each other was wearing. We didn't all look the same. We didn't all like the same thing. Some liked sports, some liked video games, and some liked both. We all had different struggles and different downfalls, and we all had different giftings and talents and abilities. We were all very different, and it was then that I realized that we were actually living out the church. See, the church, it's not a building. I want you to think about your church, that is, if you attend one, and I want you to think about your meetings, and you probably feel like it's the best church in the whole world because it's yours, and I'll just go ahead and say it is because it's part of the Church of Jesus, which is the only church, so thus it is the best, but let's talk about your individual tribe, your 
church family. Maybe you have incredible worship. Maybe you have all the best lights and and decorations. Maybe you have some wonderful screens. Maybe you're on TV for all I know. Maybe you have one of the most dynamic churches. Or maybe, maybe your church is small but has a very big impact on the community. And you feel like that's the best version of a church family, of a tribe that you can possibly be. Now I want you to imagine your church building. Whether it's big, small, or somewhere in the middle, you've probably put, if you're a church member, if you attend, maybe you're a staff member, you've probably spent a lot of your time there. I know you've spent your most valuable moments there. I know that you go there each week to worship Jesus. You've probably seen marriages there. Maybe you got married there. At least you celebrated with your friends. Maybe maybe you experienced some funerals there and some going home celebrations. You've probably seen people receive salvation. Maybe you yourself received salvation in that building. Maybe you were baptized there. Maybe maybe some really important moments happen within those walls. And it's hard not to feel like those walls are extremely sacred and very dear to your heart. It's hard to imagine anything happening to that place because it's yours. It's a part of you. It's it's woven into the fabric of your life. But but now I want to ask you a question, and I don't speak this over any listener or any church that, that may be listening. But I want you to imagine that those walls, those pews, those chairs, those lights, that sound equipment, those screens... That baptistry, that staging, that whatever you may have, that nursery, those classrooms, those offices, those whatever come crashing down. And no longer is that building there. Now here's the question. Is the church still there? Well, I believe it is. I don't believe that a building is the church. And I know that if you're like me, there's a good chance that you were indoctrinated, that any building that you see with a steeple on it or something like that, some sort of religious symbol, is a church. That is not a church. That is walls, concrete, wood, some nails, maybe some plaster, some other things holding a structure together. That's all that place is. It's a meeting place. It's a house of prayer. It's a hospital, it's a refuge, it's all of those things. I agree, but that is not the church. That is simply a building or perhaps a room or perhaps a rented space. It's just a space. It's just a place that's set aside for worship. Is it important? Yes. Do I think there's anything wrong with taking care of the house of God? Of course not, but let's remember the true house of God. The true temple of the Holy Spirit is no building, no bricks, no walls, no wood, no mortar, none of those things. The true temple of God is our physical self. We are the temple of God and we host the Holy Spirit within us. If you think of it like that, you, I, if we are Christians, carry the church wherever we go. Or at least we should. See, when I read the ministry of Jesus, I find it interesting that he never stayed in one location. Jesus was a true evangelist. He was also a true pastor. He spread his message. He spread the love of God. He told people the kingdom was here. He went around doing exactly what his father told him to do. But yet he had a following. He had a group of people that he pastored. 
Sure, maybe they didn't recognize that, not all of them, but that was his flock and they followed their shepherd. But wherever Jesus went, he knew the church went with him. No longer was it in a temple, no longer was it in a certain location. It went with him everywhere. He understood identity. And I hope today that we can understand identity just a little bit better. See, your identity and my identity has very little to do with what we wear and has even less to do with what group that we fit in with. Our identity has nothing much to do with who we feel that we are, but more so whose we are. See, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to God through the power of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe and know to be true. And because of that, my entire life has changed. Sure, I still have certain hobbies and certain likes and dislikes. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But now life is different. I don't view each day the way that I did. It's not about how much money I can make. It's not about how much education I can receive. It's not about all the nice things. It's not about doing me. It's about doing him. It's about praising him. It's about worshiping him. It's about spreading him. No longer is it so important to make a name for myself. Rather, I'm helping to make Jesus famous. See, it's difficult to find people like that in the church, and I'm just being very honest. Now, mind you, nobody's perfect, and you're not going to wake up perfect one day. I, I have yet to meet that person. However, I believe that we as the church can get to a certain place within our own lives and within our own hearts, and we can break down the walls of skepticism. We can break down the walls of uh, money. We can break down the walls of denomination. We can break down the walls of personal opinions and our own theology, and we can come together as one. Maybe we can't do that every single day, but I believe that we can work a whole lot hard, harder to do it within our church services and how we act to each other on a day-to-day -day basis. How do you start that? How, how do we get things moving in this direction? Well, maybe it starts with being honest, having an honest conversation with yourself and God, and then having an honest conversation with the people around you. See, I know how difficult it can be to trust certain people, especially if people have hurt you in the past. But pray that the Lord will highlight certain people in your path, certain people in your walk that can hold you accountable, that can partner with you as a prayer partner, as a ministry partner, and as a friend, as a brother, as a sister. It's not about what can you get out of that person. Rather, it's just about being with them. It's just about being together. And, and yeah, you will need them and they'll need you. But it's not about seeing how much you can get out of them. People are not chess pieces. So often, especially in the church world, the church that claims that we are now the bride of Christ lives in such a way that we live as if our own people are chess pieces and I can move them around and put them in certain places that are going to elevate and make me king. And that is not the way the Lord set up his body. 
His body is meant to move. His body is meant to function in a certain way. We all have a certain job to do. We all have certain giftings and things. And all of us are going to have days that are hard. Some days you just want to stay in bed. Some days you're going to be ill. Some days things are going to happen. You're going to fall on your face. But what does a soldier do on the battlefield when one of the other soldiers falls to the ground because they're wounded or they forget how to use their sword or maybe they've lost their shield? Those other good soldiers will surround the fallen one and defend him with their own sword, with their own shield. They'll pick him up and carry him until he can stand back on his feet. That is the church of Jesus. That's the church that I believe in, and that's the church that I'm a part of. Now, I don't think it's wrong for individual tribes and church families to have a certain image that they project, a certain mission, vision, and values. And I don't think it's wrong for them to have a certain name or anything like that. But I do think it's very important for us to remember that at the end of the day, all of those things are going to dissipate. One day, I truly believe that Christ is going to return. And when that happens, he's not going to be asking, what church did you go to? What denomination did you have a letter at? Which form of membership did you have? How did you serve? And who is your pastor again? I don't believe Jesus is going to ask any of those things. In that moment, it'll be you and him face to face. How are you going to answer for yourself? I believe that we have one hope and it's to be in the blood of Jesus. And after that, I believe it's what did you do with what the Lord gave you? Maybe he gave you a lot. Maybe he gave you a little. But what did you and I do with it? Thankfully, by the grace of God, as long as there's still breath in our lungs, it's not too late. There's still more work to do. There's still things to do. Maybe you're having a hard time right now. That's okay. It's all right to sit down just as long as you get back up. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm thankful for every single listener. I'm thankful for every person that will share this. I'm thankful for every person that will get this message out because I don't believe it's just my message. I believe it's your message. God, I thank you, Lord, that you give us a brand new identity in Christ. I thank you that your word says that we are a brand new creation. Lord, I pray that every person, including myself, listening to the sound of my voice right now, will have a renewed mind, a brand new heart, an empowered spirit, and a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. God, I love you. I thank you that you're so good. And Lord, I pray that this show, this podcast will never be about making my name famous, but it'll all be about you and the truth of your gospel. We love you, Lord. Thank you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen. You just listened to the Millennial Preacher Podcast with Ryan Roberts. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Share with all of your friends and family, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Look for brand new episodes of this podcast every Thursday. Until then, we'll see you later.